Paranormal Investigations Hawaii from the case files of Harry Wong, Paranormal Investigator, Season 1, Episode 6, The Bowtie Man. Every city, every town, no matter how big or small, there are some people you run into out in the streets, on the sidewalks, again and again, at random times and random places. They seem to always be dressed the same, doing the same thing, seemingly minding their own business. But little did I know when I encountered my version of this person, who I call the Bowtie Man that some of these sightings may not have been so random after all. Now, I usually try my best to avoid saying the F word unless I absolutely can't help it. You know, only in extreme circumstances. Like when the Hawaii football team lost yet another easy game or when some asshat cut me off in traffic. Well. That dickwad was going to be on the receiving end of both the F-word and the anti-shaka, also known as the middle finger. I was traumatized as a child when my tutu took a ruler to the back of my hand every time I said a bad word, even if I used a euphemism, you know, like frick or fudge or fut. That's the Hawaiian word for fart for those of you less culturally inclined. Suffice it to say, I got PTSD whenever I even thought about saying the F word. But there were some situations so heinous that would overcome even the strongest taboos. And for me, shopping at the Costco located in beautiful smelly Ibole was one of those occasions. I always instantly regretted my decision to go there once I entered the parking lot and found myself stuck behind the long line of cars backed up trying to find parking. But sometimes, you gotta make some sacrifices if you wanna get that big-ass 10-pound package of pork rinds. And I loves me some pork rinds. So, I blurted out the sacred F-word under my breath as I stalked every person walking around the lot, hoping they were looking for their vehicle to leave this hellhole. I got lucky this time. It only took 30 minutes to find a space, and I only had to walk a quarter mile to reach the store. Sometimes, the gods smile on you. I grabbed a shopping cart and was just about to whip out my Costco card for the door person when a middle-aged man passed me headed towards the food court. I only noticed him out of the corner of my eye because he was overdressed for Costco, or for Hawaii for that matter, unless he was an attorney making a quick hot dog and soda run in between court. This guy had a dark complexion, wore a bow tie, collared dress shirt, slacks, and dress shoes. But what really stood out? was that he carried the biggest backpack I've ever seen. I think they call them rucksacks, you know, from the word ruck, which is a military term that meant to haul a heavy-ass load of junk. Anyways, as he approached closer, I noticed that his shirt was wrinkled, untucked, and filled with holes. His zipper was down, 
and his toes were poking out of his shoes. Also, the rucksack was opened and there were old food wrappers falling out. Wow, what the heck? Was this a homeless person or just the man in need of emergency tailoring? He walked past me without a glance and headed for the trash can to look for half-eaten treasure. I guess I got my answer. I promptly forgot about him as I headed toward the door, handed the Costco bouncer my card, and braced myself for the insanity. I woke up early the next morning, right before noon, to meet a potential new client. Well, early was relative for me. Anytime the sun was still up was considered early. I didn't have high hopes for this case. It sounded like another poltergeist incident. Poltergeists were manifestations of low-level disembodied spirits of deceased individuals who were stuck in the earthly plane and needed some help to set their souls free. It was a noble cause, but didn't take much time or effort to accomplish, so it wasn't very profitable or very interesting. If I took a guess, I would say that 75% of my cases were poltergeist hauntings. They were like cheating spouse cases for a normal PI. But as long as the client paid, I wasn't picky about the cases I took. Gotta keep the cupboards filled with pork rinds for those special occasions somehow. I was in my beat-up Honda Atterd, headed toward the client's office on Queen Street in downtown Honolulu when I hit some traffic at an intersection. The light turned from yellow to red, and, unlike a lot of drivers in downtown Honolulu who treated red lights as optional, I stopped. I waited patiently for the light to turn green, when out of the corner of my eye, my mind registered something familiar. A man dressed in a bow tie, dress shirt, slacks, and carrying a huge rucksack was shuffling down the street from me. Now, normally, this wouldn't be anything worth noticing. Just some overdressed lawyer going to court, right? But this was the same guy I saw at Costco yesterday, right down to the same ripped-up clothing and food wrappers falling out of his rucksack. He didn't see me, at least He didn't look my way when he passed my car as the light turned green. I hesitated a few seconds to remark to myself on this strange coincidence of encountering the same person two days in a row in completely different and somewhat random locations when the sound of a horn honking got my attention. My rearview mirror showed an older woman in a Tesla. I almost gave her the one-finger salute, but instead took a deep breath, and continued my way. I forgot about the bowtie man until, inexplicably, I saw him again the next day. I always dreaded going to the dentist, and today was no exception. But I needed a root canal badly if I didn't want to gum my food for the rest of my life. So here I was. It didn't help that the doctor had the worst taste in music. He was in his mid-fifties and singing along to pop music from the 2000s like Miley Cyrus. You gotta wonder why someone in their fifties was listening to music made for teen girls. I just think the procedure would go more smoothly with some industrial metal. The sound of drilling would fit right in. As the dentist started drilling away, In my mind, I knew that the anesthesia had already kicked in. I mean, 
I was drooling like an idiot, so it must be working, right? But a nagging voice in the back of my mind kept whispering to me. What if the anesthesia had already worn off? As the vibration continued to hammer through my skull, I cringed in irrational fear for the moment when the drill would hit some unanesthetized nerve and I would feel a pain more excruciating than that most painful thing in the world. Getting kicked in the scrotum, otherwise referred to as balls, nuts, nutsack, nads, fun bags, happy sacks, meat pods, man marbles, tea bags. Well, I could go on and on, but you get the idea. I held a scream in the back of my throat, ready to go at the slightest hint of pain. But thankfully, that pain never came, and the procedure was over without incident. I left the dental chair looking forward to a big-ass stake in my future. As I headed towards my car, I saw him again, the bowtie man. I was at least five miles from where I saw him yesterday, so I knew this could not have been a coincidence. He shuffled past the entrance to Long's Drug Store in the same ripped clothing and carrying the same overstuffed rucksack. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but misjudging coincidence for intention was not one of them. That's how I've managed to stay alive and unpossessed as a paranormal investigator over the years. I was either being followed, surveilled, or targeted for something worse. I wasn't too happy about that, and there was only one way to find out what was going on. I raced over to confront him before I could think clearly, which in hindsight was not the smartest thing to do. But I really hate being followed. He turned toward me as I reached him, and I saw his face up close for the first time. He stared at me with eyes that were completely blank. His pupils were missing as if they had been plucked out from his sockets. All that remained were the whites of his eyes. His face was filled with pustules. Some of them had burst, which left thick white pus oozing out of the slits. But his mouth was what drew most of my attention. His lips were stretched open into a permanent grin, which revealed rows and rows of sharp, black, fang-like teeth. But wait, there's more. Something moved inside his mouth. Little black fly-like insects swarmed around. Some of them leaked out as if he were drooling black bugs. He said something in a guttural language I couldn't understand. Then all hell broke loose as a torrent of flies flew out of his mouth at me. I instinctively covered my face, but there were too many of them. The flies surrounded me and bit into my face and arms as I ran for my life. Each bite felt like a needle puncturing my veins. I had to get away ASAP if I didn't want to pass out and be eaten alive. I remembered that there was a fish pond down one level. I bolted in the general direction of the stairs that led to the ground floor. The flies swarmed around me. I felt each and every sting from them as I half ran, half fell down the stairway and leapt into the fish pond. I'm generally supportive of Peter, but I make no apologies for any fish that I squished in my effort to escape the flies. 
I dived into the pond head first and rolled around, hoping the water would dislodge the flies that were biting me. I didn't know and didn't care if it was luck or providence, but once I immersed myself in the cool pond water, the flies fell off me and I felt instant relief from the stings. Slowly climbed out of the pond and saw the remains of the flies littering the whole pond surface, along with some of the fish which floated belly up. A crowd formed around me. I didn't want to answer any questions. I ran back to my car, but my legs felt numb, and I fell a few times on my way there. I finally reached my car, got into the driver's seat, then promptly blacked out. For how long? I didn't know. I woke up to a light shining on my face. I opened my eyes and saw it was night outside. I put up my hands to block the light and heard whoever was outside speaking. As my head cleared, his words started making some sense. Hey, brother, you no can sleep here. You gotta leave. The store stay closing like that. I shook the fog out of my head, nodded to the security guard, and drove out of there. Fortunately... The bowtie man was nowhere to be found, and hopefully was long gone by then. I reached my office around 10pm and found the aloe plant among my clutter of junk that should have been thrown out a long time ago. I spread it along my bites, and it gradually settled into a painful but tolerable welt. I think what hurt more than the fly bites was the fact that I was so unprepared for the attack. I let my anger overcome my caution, and that nearly killed me. That won't happen again. This time, it's personal. I tried to remember what the bowtie man said before he spewed the deadly and painful insects at me. It was something vaguely Hawaiian-sounding, but not exactly. Was there such a thing as another Hawaiian dialect? I tried to write down what I could remember and read it back. Ama ke kapo heretics noka mea ho hao mea iko ika mea la a hoano. My Hawaiian language knowledge ranged from rusty to non existent, so I tried the Google Translate app, which interpreted the phrase as, and instead of night heretics for the mea, they defiled the Mia and made it holy, which made absolutely no sense to me. I think I gotta run this through my own human translator app in the morning. My friend and frequent collaborator, Kahuna Bob. I stopped by my favorite urgent care facility the next morning before heading out to see Kahuna Bob. Yes, I had a favorite urgent care facility. When you get injured as much as I do, it's helpful to have a history with someone who knew not to ask any questions. The insect bites had receded somewhat, but they still itched like crazy. Fortunately, Dr. Sheila Carrillo was on call. Dr. Sheila and I went back a ways. I've lost count of how many times she's fixed me up over the years since I've been paranormal investigating. Usually, we had an understanding. She didn't ask me, WTF happened? And I didn't tell her, for her own safety, of course. Then she would give me a lecture, an eye roll, make the boo-boo all better, and we went our separate ways. It seems like each time she gave me a bigger eye roll. I think today, she might lose her eyes into the top of her head.
Okay, this is a new one. You normally look like hell when you come to see me, but this time you bought the handbasket too. She took one look at my bites and gave a worried look, then quickly changed her expression back to neutral when she realized I was staring intently at her. Ah, uh, Doc, what's going on? What bit me? Am I going to die? Um, I hate to tell you this, but you're going to die someday, but not today. I've never seen bites like this before outside of Nepal in an area near the base of the Himalayas. I'm going to need some blood samples, just to be sure. So, are you still not going to tell me how you got those bites? I wasn't about to tell her that some homeless guy with no eyes barfed out poisonous flies at me. Listen, Doc, uh, funny thing. I was just visiting Nepal last week. Must have forgotten my bug repellent. I tried to joke, but I was seriously worried now. Uh, now, Doc, you know that I can't tell you because... Because it's for my own good. Yes, I know the drill. In that case, you had better stay here and wait for the results. We don't want you to infect anyone with a rare disease now, do we? Dr. Sheila left with the blood samples. Meanwhile, I sat and contemplated changing my profession, and not for the first time. Something nice and boring, you know, like some type of government job, where crazy, bug-spewing dudes aren't a daily occupational hazard. Dr. Sheila came back around half an hour later. Hey, Doc, that was quick. Um, what's the verdict? I ran the tests right away. I didn't want to take any chances. The results showed a small amount of a rare toxin, which was normally only found in a species of insect native to mountainous regions of South Asia. A small dose can paralyze a man for up to 8 to 10 hours, while a large dose could have been fatal. You're lucky that the amount found in your blood was small enough not to have any permanent effects. But to be safe, I'm going to give you an antitoxin, just in case. Now. I know you won't listen, but I gotta say it anyways, you know, to meet my hippo oath. The antitoxin might make you drowsy, so don't drive. I know you still will. And if you still feel sick tomorrow, come back. Be careful, okay? I know your cases can be dangerous, but this is on another level if someone meant to use this on you. I want you alive and kicking, so you can keep coming back to see me with your future injuries. I gotta pay for that second house somehow. I thanked her and got the heck out of there before she asked me any more questions. I caught Kahuna Bob in between classes the next morning. I called him Kahuna Bob to annoy him. He wasn't really a Kahuna, but he was almost as knowledgeable as one. His real name was Robert K. Ahuna, and he taught Hawaiian history at Honolulu Community College. If anything happened in Hawaiian history, Bob could pinpoint the exact day time and location it happened. Kind of like the NSA of Hawaiian history. Hey, how's it Kahuna Bob? I walked into his office and saw him frowning at some papers in front of him. I plopped down on the chair across from him as he wrote an F in large red ink on a paper he was grading while making a concerted effort to ignore me. I started hand-drumming the drum break to Rush's Tom Sawyer on his desk, which annoyed him enough for him to pull his head up out of his papers to glare at me. 
He opened his mouth to give me his customary insult when he saw the insect bites on my face and arms. I didn't think anything could shut him up. If I knew that deadly insect attacks would do it, I might have considered getting bitten more often. Or maybe not. Hey, stop staring at me. You should have seen the other guy. Wait, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Don't involve me in another one of your harebrained cases. Just tell me how I can get you out of here in the quickest way possible. Good to see you too, Bob. How's the wife and kids? He wasn't married. You can see why. I thought some levity might help loosen him up, but he didn't even crack a smile. I think he cracked a negative smile if that were possible. Okay, Bob, I'll make this quick. I need something that sounded vaguely Hawaiian translated to English. I tried that Google Translate thing, but... Google Translator is crap. A computer can't solve every problem for you. Sometimes you need an expert who has studied something for decades to give you the right answer instead of some AI. Wow, I didn't realize this was a sore spot with you. Okay, the fine fellow who caused these bites said something that sounded like... Amakai... Kapo heretics no kamea ho haumia iko ika mea la ahoano. Then he puked up killer bugs all over me. Wait, say that again, but slowly. I ignored that he felt he had to say slowly as if I were intellectually challenged or something. I repeated the words again. Bob wrote down what he heard, then made some scribbles, scratched out a few words, and rewrote them until he was satisfied. This is the correct wording. E make ka poe heretics no kamea hoohamia iako ikamea laa a hoano, which translates roughly to death to the heretics, for they desecrate what is holy and sacred. What have you been desecrating lately, hmm? That's a tough one. I'm usually desecrating left and right. In fact, I start my day thinking, what can I desecrate today? So it could be anything. I was joking as a defense mechanism, but I was truly worried. This wasn't random. What did they want from me? Who were they? Uh, Bob, any idea of who these people are? The curious phrasing of this threat actually does give us a clue who they are. My controversial research has shown evidence that there may have been an earlier group of people who originally migrated to these islands before our Hawaiian ancestors arrived. This population brought with them their gods and rituals, some of which are the oldest known in all history and prehistory. The oldest religions seem to have the most power and influence. I don't know if it's because they were closer to the beginnings of the formation of the earth when primeval forces appear to have greater power and influence over humans. Some of these gods and demons from this early religion eventually evolved into the ancient Hawaiian gods and deities we are familiar with, but some were kept hidden to a select group of worshippers on purpose. These eventually became secret cults who still worship these gods and demons today. Some of the writings they left sound suspiciously like what you just described to me. Tell me, did those bites come from some type of flying insect? Yes, it was some type of 
A biting flying insect bug thing that nearly ate me alive hurt like hell too. How did you know? That's a characteristic of one of the mythological deities, the demigod Mahino. He is the god of war, death, and disease. The fly is one of his symbols, a creature known to spread pestilence and disease throughout history. But why me? I'm like a nobody. I'm not a threat to them. I didn't even know they existed until yesterday. What was their purpose? What do they want? Legend has it that Mahino was the insect god who ruled over a small cult throughout South Asia thousands of years ago. Mahino was mortally wounded in battle with the other ancient gods for power. He sealed himself in a cocoon to recover from those injuries, and his cult hid him away until that time when Mahino was healed and ready to emerge again. This cocoon was supposed to be held in a sacred urn made of koa wood. According to my interpretation of transcripts written thousands of years ago, I believe that this cult, along with other settlers, migrated to the Hawaiian Islands as part of the pre-Hawaiian population of settlers I mentioned earlier. According to their calendar, the emergence is set for the autumnal equinox, September 22. Whoa, that's only a few days away, but why did they try to kill me? Well, you're not gonna like this, but they weren't trying to kill you. They needed a body for Mahino to inhabit after the emergence, and well, I think they were trying to capture you. You were supposed to be the new body of Mahino. <laughs> well, the joke's on them. I'm out of shape and have moves, you know, man boobs. He's gonna take one look at my body and say, Nuh-uh. I ain't gonna take over that body, so I ain't that worried. Yeah, that's what I told Bob, but deep down inside, I was worried. Once again, you missed the obvious. Your body is just the vessel for Mahino to re-emerge from his cocoon and return back to this realm. Once he's used you, he can discard you and take another body at will. Okay, I get it. But what does it have to do with this bow tie wearing dude I saw three days in a row but didn't think anything of it at the time? I mean, we all see the same strange characters time and again around town, right? Now, I know he was obviously stalking me. Why me and not just some random guy? Well, if we dive deeper into the legend, it implies that only individuals deemed worthy can be vessels. Ha! What a mistake. I am the least worthy vessel in existence. I don't even know how to use both a shampoo and conditioner separately, so I gotta buy those all-in-one shampoo with conditioner bottles. Being worthy doesn't have anything to do with your mind or body. That much is obvious in your case, but it has to do with your blood. Didn't you tell me once that your family line went back centuries to the earliest Hawaiian ancestors? Yeah, if that ancestry DNA test was correct, it said my family line went back to the 18th century here in the islands. It gets fuzzy before that. My guess is you have something pure in your blood, for lack of a better word, that makes you vessel worthy. Oh, great. 
Any ideas on how we can find the cult and expose them? Or do I have to carry bug spray with me wherever I go from now on? That's it. That's how you find them. Ah, uh, can you enlighten those of us who can't read minds? It's simple. Mahino is the god of insects. He used them for protection and to attack enemies. Insects have to be kept and cared for to survive. That's what his minions do for him. Now, there can't be too many places and environments to maintain exotic insects. So we just need someone who was an expert at exotic insects to lead us to them. All right. Now we're getting somewhere. Where do we find this expert? She happens to be in the very next building. Let's go. HCC didn't have a lot of money, so they used the cast-off temporary buildings, which were more like trailers that the main university didn't need anymore. Bob's office was in one of these ramshackle temporary buildings that was liable to fall apart anytime soon. But his building was the Taj Mahal compared to the one next door, which was in need of new paint, new doors, a new roof, and new stairs. We walked up the old steps carefully to avoid breaking our ankles on the missing steps and entered into the corridor where handwritten signs were taped to each door. We passed several doors until we reached a door with a sign that read, Lindsay Govea, PhD, Associate Professor, Department of Plant and Environmental Protection Science. Bob rapped on the door once, then barged right in. Dr. Lindsay Govea looked up at us from her desk with a half-eaten sandwich in one hand and a PlayStation game controller in the other hand. I distinctly told you not to bother me when I'm playing my lunchtime Minecraft tournament. She gave us an annoyed look, then went right back to her game. She was in her early 40s, shoulder-length dark hair, tan brown skin, medium height and weight. She wore a 9-inch nails t-shirt and ripped jeans. I was partial to Metallica myself, but at least she wasn't one of those middle-aged BTS moms. Now, they were scary. I like this wahine already. Lindsay, we need your expertise on a matter of some urgency. Ballsack. Lindsay stared daggers at us as a sound on her computer indicated her character was killed. Bob, you dumbass. You got me killed. Now I gotta start all over again. Lindsay sighed, put her game controller down, and took another bite of her sandwich. She then looked up, as if nothing happened, and mumbled with a mouthful of food. So what do you want? As I was saying, we need your expertise on any information you can provide on the habitat of an insect not native to Hawaii, an invasive species, if you will. Go on, I'm listening. Describe this insect, what it looks like, and any other unique characteristics. Well... They look kind of like flies, but bigger, like horseflies, I guess. They swarm and have the meanest, most powerful bites, which nearly killed me. Bob, who is this and why are insects attacking him? Uh, hi, my name is Harry Wong. I'm an investigator of sorts. Bob says I have the blood type that's like a rare treat for these bugs. It's true. Harry has some type of rare bloodline that attracted these insects, which are being used by some doomsday insect god cult. Lindsay came over and examined my bites. 
Hi, Harry. Ah, uh, sit down, Leah. I want to take a look at your blood. She took out a syringe and drew some blood and put it under a microscope. I didn't like the expression on her face. Harry, you are the lucky recipient of a rare histamine that hasn't existed for over a thousand years. Those flies that bit you are supposed to be extinct. Well, someone should have told those flies that left these marks that they don't exist. I need to get a sample of these flies for study. They need a dark, damp location to breed, some kind of cave, and the most obvious location is the Cockroach Cove Lava Tube. The Cockroach Cove Lava Tube was a small cave located at the bottom of Cockroach Cove, otherwise known as Halona Beach Cove, located in between Hanauma Bay and Sandy Beach on the east side of Oahu. Hey, that's gotta be it. It's somewhat hidden and difficult to access. It's dark and damp, but still within close proximity of where I was attacked. Okay, first thing tomorrow morning, we check it out. I'll have my TA take over my classes. Sorry, my TA is an idiot who only knows how to babysit study sessions. I'm gonna have to sit this one out. Harry, meet me at Cockroach Cove, 7 a.m. pronto. Be ready for anything, and I mean anything. I know she meant to be ready for bad weather or cave exploring, but I knew better. I intended to be fully armed with all my P.I. battle gear. Holy water, garlic, crosses, stakes, and my Glock with silver bullets, just in case of werewolves. Never underestimate the possibility of werewolves. Oh no, what has Harry gotten himself into this time? Will he be able to find out who the Bowtie Man is? Will he be able to defeat the insect cult of Mahino? And most important of all, will he be able to come up with more euphemisms for testicles? All this and more will be revealed on the next episode of Paranormal Investigations Hawaii. You have been listening to Paranormal Investigations Hawaii from the case files of Harry Wong, Paranormal Investigator a fictional podcast.